Hello and welcome to Kill Your Silos, the only show about operations that dares to ask the fundamental question at every operator's mind, is there a better way to do all of this shit? I'm Jason Reichel and I'm here to say indeed there is and it's called Revenue Operations. Each episode I spend time with an innovator of RevOps. This week we have Mallory Lee, the Senior Director of RevOps at Terminus. Hello Mallory, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. It's sunny here in San Francisco. I know the rest of the country is probably not enjoying that. What's the weather like in, in Indy where you're at? We have a lot of snow, but the sun is sort of out today, so I'll take it. That's great. Sun on snow is my favorite thing. It's uh, You get to see the two forces of nature working together. I don't really <laughs> like talking small talk, and so I, I, I don't usually intro with that. So now I want to talk about some weird thing like the, the friction of snow and, and, and ice <laughs> meeting. Um, which is an analogy for revenue operations. Uh, it's a, it's a hammy one. It's a ham fisted one, but it's what I'm going to go for. What do you think? Like does that, it. does that fit or does that work? I think it works. You know, you've got opposing views and opposing, uh, desires from all your different departments and RevOps job is to make them come together. So while I would use the ham fisted metaphor of ice and, and sun melting, what's your definition of RevOps over at Terminus? Oh, man. I think for us, we really think about RevOps as kind of the underpinnings of making go-to-market happen. So our team is divided into kind of the three legs of the stool analogy, where on one side, we've got all the technology that we use that our teams need. In the other far extreme, we've got all the data that that technology might give to us with the idea that using those insights to get more efficient and plow it back into the business will make us better. In the middle of that, we have what we call RevOps proper. And those are the business partners as our RevOps managers that are responsible for helping the people in the process use the tools to do the process, to create the data so that we can keep that cycle running efficiently. And that's how we want to grow and scale. That's awesome. Um, the, Three-legged tool and uh, stool analogy has sort of been out there for all sorts of things. When when I think about it, uh, the way that I explain it to, uh, I just had to explain it uh, on a Zoom call. I didn't go home for Thanksgiving, but on a Zoom call, uh, Thanksgiving to my mom as uh, I think of all the go-to-market team as the people who are shaking the hands and kissing the babies, uh, frontline actors. And I think of revenue operations as the directors, the boom mic operators, all of these people behind the scenes are making sure that process scales. Mm -hmm. um, but I view it as sort of a yin and yang relationship. An actor needs the director, the director needs the actor. Do you view it as a yin and yang relationship or is it more of a support relationship at Terminus? I think it's both. I mean, I'm super grateful that in our go-to-market org, we have several leaders that rely so heavily on data and they really care about what the data is telling us and how we can lean into different strategies to get more efficient or to grow better. Um, so I think that there's definitely some reciprocity there, but ultimately you have to have that kind of like servant leadership attitude. Um, you know, our job is to help them make money. Yeah. Um, what's the relationship with revenue operations and the customer? One of GoNimbly's fundamental beliefs is in a personalized buying experience. We think as revenue operations consultants and a team that uh, all the data says that how we actually don't maximize the customers, the customer experiences, all the gaps in our buying processes that are unintended by the actors, are unintended by the GTM team, you know, these MQL to SQL handoffs, all these things that sort of tech companies have built through legacy means, our customers feel firsthand 
And then ultimately they lose some confidence and don't buy, you know, the biggest package they could buy, or don't bring us across the entire org, or they um, sign a shorter contract because they have, they've had to use some political capital in the process in order to buy your product. How, what is your relationship and view to the customer as part of revenue operations? I think it's just as important as, you know, any part of the process. Um, at Terminus, our CS ops team used to be kind of separate. It reported up to the CS team instead of reporting into RevOps. And we did make a change earlier this year in that realm. And a gal named Taylor came and joined our team to do CS ops. And I think it's made all the difference. Um, we've gotten a lot more united just in terms of the way the data flows through, the process that we want to have, you know, from sales to onboarding to customer success to account management, we can kind of see the whole picture now and we're trying to break down the silos, you know, uh, trying to lend a hand to your, to your show name there, but it has, yeah. it has made a big difference. And if you don't think it all the way through to the end, that is where you come up short. So um, I think it's been great for us to get it all under the same umbrella. Now, one thing you mentioned to Christy during the pre-interview process is, how large your RevOps team is. I think Terminus is around 200 people. You have seven mm -hmm. or so people in the RevOps function, which is which shows Terminus believes in operations being a fundamentally valuable part of the process. Or, I mean, would you agree with that? I do, yeah. I'm grateful for that. And so when, when you believe in operations as a fundamental revenue driver in the business and you're investing in it, what sort of KPIs or, or who is your boss that you do come back and say, hey, this is what we can attribute this investment into operations uh, with. Uh, this is how we are actually making the process better. What sort of things do you use to communicate that that investment was sound? Um, and how does Terminus justify that? I think there are a bunch of different ways that you need to get creative on this. Um, I report to our CFO. And so it's a little unique. A lot of RevOps teams roll it to the CRO, but I like that we report into the CFO because it is so tied to every single part of the business and the measurability is definitely important. So I would say, you know, we are in a phase right now. We've done some acquisitions. We did three acquisitions last year. Um, we are still in the process of putting everybody into the same Salesforce and getting everything to work correctly and to get a really tight view on the business. In mm -hmm. addition, you know, the way we go to market has changed. We're much more multi-product now with kind of that platform layer adding channels on top. So we've basically had a lot of re-engineering of the way that we need to sell and the way that we need to support those teams. And right now it's all about just getting it right and the manpower needed to do big overhauls and make big changes and get the team enabled. Um, but as we go forward and we think about the value that we add and the way to kind of justify those investments, I think about the time it takes to close a deal, um, the velocity that we have in our pipeline, the mistakes mm -hmm. that we find after the deal is over. Um, so, you know, we just put a deal desk in place and certainly we're going to be looking at velocity and reduction in paperwork mistakes and things like that to, you know, put some guardrails around the success that we're seeing. Yeah, I don't think, you know, at GoNimbly, we use 3BC, which is a mechanism that we use with all of our customers. We analyze essentially their customer process, um, usually using opportunity data to say, you know, are we low, are, is our conversion healthy? Is our value healthy? Is our uh, velocity healthy? Mm -hmm. uh, is, 
you know, is the value healthy of, of the deals, the, the amount of opportunities coming through, that must be really hard to use those kind of yourself gauges when you're integrating uh, existing businesses with their own, you know, um, processes and uh, bets. It's kind of probably hard to look at and go, okay, are we performing as well as we can possibly perform given that we have all this new information in the last year? How do you go about, you know, I'm all about, let's not talk in, from a revenue operations perspective about ROI. Let's talk about the impact that revenue, that the revenue operation team makes. I mean, give me a dollar number. Let me figure out processes that are going to increase the value or conversion of our work so that mm-hmm. we can say that we are as valuable as a sales team is because we are actually providing resources and, and tools and other things that increase the value of the deal or the mm-hmm. amount of money the business makes. How do you do that? When at this point, you know, Terminus looks at two years ago, kind of a lot of that information is not valuable anymore or not accurate, at least. How do you get the pulse of the organization when you're going through so many mergers? We've not had someone on the show and RevOps that are, are dealing with so many mergers of, of businesses. Yeah, it's definitely tough because like you're saying, the benchmarks are just not intuitive. So A lot of things in our business have shifted and, you know, we are kind of moving up market. So the deals look different. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, certainly we have targets that tell us where we'd like to go. Um, We've put a lot of weight into our ability to forecast against those targets, especially with, you know, the craziness of 2020 and everybody's forecasts, you know, changing pretty rapidly. Um, you know, our board and especially our leadership team have just put so much value in the ability to see what's coming. And Mm -hmm. so one of the biggest functions that my team helps support is that forecasting process and helping us understand where we're going to land. Um, so that's, you know, maybe a little bit more qualitative than quantitative, but it certainly helps us out because it plays into cash forecasting. It plays into all of the other metrics that we need to be able to forecast and care about. Um, So, you know, with a lot of changes, just trying to be able to know what's going to happen in the future, um, it ends up making a big difference for us. You know, one thing looking at your background that I found interesting was that you, you do come like most RevOps people, Maybe you were already doing this job before. I know rev, some people believe revenue operations is a word. Some people believe it's a methodology. I believe it's a methodology. It's what, you know, what I preach. And I know that you were in marketing operations before this um, and, and you made the transition into revenue operations. What's the biggest difference between the two from your perspective looking at? It? Is it a word? Is it a, is it a mindset? Is it a cultural shift within the organization? Um, what, what is it? What's the difference between being a specific siloed operations person and then moving into this more revenue operations focused world? Well, I think for myself, I've just been really glad that I feel it's much more strategic. So I always loved marketing ops. I always will. And I did my best to have, you know, really good marketing and sales alignment anywhere that I was. I never felt like I was in a marketing silo, but I was definitely focused on just marketing and that marketing sales alignment. Whereas now I think, you know, the most important thing that I can do is look out ahead at the whole entire business and kind of see around corners on people's behalf and make sure there are no silos. And that could be, you know, picking up just a hint of a conversation on the side and saying, hey, let's make sure we loop in Karen from onboarding because this is going to impact her, Um, you know, 
connecting the dots for people and being able to see beyond just one department at a time, I think it's pretty rare to have someone within the company that's solely responsible for that. And so I think that's been the fun part for me going from marketing ops to rev ops is just having a much more holistic view of the business. How did you decide you wanted to do that? I mean, there's so much power. You know, one of the things that I talk about and I'm a thought leader on is general generalism, especially in an operational role, is very much more important than being a specialist or being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, someone who is so focused, who, who is very valuable, but there's so much power in that focus. There's so much power in being like a Marketo expert, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a tool that's hard. It takes a lot of experience to get that good. But then sort of all of your, I don't know, all of you know your problems look like it's a Marketo solution or a Salesforce solution if you're a Salesforce admin or whatever it might be because you're so specialized that that's kind of the way you look at the world. Mm-hmm. What was in you that made you go, yeah, I have to move to revenue operations as a function. I, I, need, to, I need to be more strategic and more generalized for my career and for the business I'm working in. What, what was that pinnacle look like? How did you make that decision? Um, I think I almost fell into it more than it being intentional. And my last full-time role before Terminus was at Cheetah Digital, I was in marketing ops. We had RevOps and everybody was in RevOps except for marketing ops. And I think that's a pretty common setup that people find. Um, So I had that little nervousness or resistance, like I'm not sure how marketing ops fits into RevOps. And I remember feeling that way, but recognizing that RevOps was super important. Um, you know, fast forward to a little over a year ago, I was consulting with Terminus because I was on maternity leave and I started out helping them out with some sales items. And so I wasn't even working on marketing at the time when I got involved with Terminus. And um, from there, it blossomed into this full-time role that somehow found its way toward RevOps. And I don't know if I set out to do it that way, but looking back, I'm you know super happy that that's where it ended up. One of the things that, you know, because I kind of do these podcasts and I'm evangelizing revenue operations, I sometimes mm-hmm. have to draw this hard line that I don't know if I really believe in, which is, you know, all sales ops, marketing ops, CS ops needs to move to rev ops. I, mm-hmm. I inherently do believe that there are roles like a sales sales operations or sales admin to help the sales team or a marketing automation expert that should sit maybe within those marketing teams to get the day-to-day functions out of that technology, out of those tools. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your perspective between RevOps and sales ops? Is it, is, should all sales ops people move to RevOps? Should all marketing ops people move to, to RevOps? Or are they different functions and they should sort of have some lines drawn between them? I think that they need to have really tight connectivity back to the department if they're all under RevOps. So that's like my short caveat answer. Um, I've seen it work both ways. I like the fact that we've got CS ops and sales ops clearly outlined under RevOps at Terminus. Now, marketing ops is something that I love and I help with at Terminus, but we haven't got that dedicated headcount yet. So for us, marketing ops is a little fuzzier. There are some folks in our marketing team that are, you know, part out admins and marketing automation experts and marketing ops people. Exactly. Whereas for CS ops, we have Gainsight and Taylor on my team is our Gainsight admin. So we've got the 
the CS automation tool owned by RevOps, but the marketing automation tool owned by marketing, I don't think it has to be done just one way. I think it's going to depend on the people on your team, um, the skill sets that you've got, and then the process that you want to have going forward. I would not assume that marketing automation should ever live under my team because it's just so ingrained to the daily execution of all of the marketing campaigns. Um, but when we do have a dedicated marketing ops person, my goal will be that that person is like sitting on their team meetings, having all the appropriate context, and then doing that bi-directional communication to keep everybody in marketing in the loop on what's happening with the rest of the business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, again, I think a benefit that you have and, and that I would really tell other leaders listening to this is you have to believe that this, these operational functions generate revenue in order to have a model where RevOps can be just a strategic cross-functional um, bi-directional, you know, silo breaking down uh, team that it can be in, in the best cases. And then maybe mm -hmm. you do need highly technical people to operate those that sit within the team on the day-to-day -day perspective. That really takes a, lead, a leadership team who believes in investing uh, on that. I, I was reading that if you invest 3% of your revenue in uh, forms of operation related to revenue, you can expect a, you know, a, a 35 to 40% return on that investment, which is an insane number that you can't even expect out of hiring sales teams or marketing teams. Yet so mm -hmm. many leaders don't view that investment as something that can generate revenue for them. Um, obviously you have the, a CFO that you report to, who's probably interested in making those teams as effective as possible. Yep. When you're having yep. those conversations with the CFO, do you guys talk about how you are actually impacting and growing the dollar of, of, of the deals and things like that? Or is that more a conversation that's happening with say the head of sales, your CRO or whatever uh, structure that you have at Terminus? I think it involves a couple different people. Like definitely, um, our CFO Oliver would be involved in that conversation and the CRO as well, Tim. So when we recently made our hire for the deal desk, there's definitely an element of that role that is intended to be, um, you know, earlier in the deal cycle, strategic pricing and packaging. Let's make sure someone from RevOps is helping to maximize the way that these deals are built. So that's something on the front end that we would like to be able to help with. Um, and then, you know, when we get the deal done, let's make sure that we've got some terms in place that are going to be as favorable for both parties as we can. Um, you know, that's something that the deal desk will also help us pay attention to. So exploring the remit of that role and making sure that it was more than just hitting a button and approving a deal was important to us. We want that to have some value add for the sales mm -hmm. process itself. Um, but there are some things, you know, later down the line that might not be directly seen in an opportunity size that we can definitely tie to the bottom line. Um, one thing, for example, is that when our customers have questions about the media dollars that they've spent with Terminus, um, right. historically, they needed to email our billing team to ask that question and find out their balance or like do some additional prepayments for their media. And we had this billing inbox that, you know, floods of customers asking all the time these questions and it took some serious manpower to you know get those questions answered um david on my team he's our bi analyst but he also has like this development skill set where he's building this bi warehouse 
And we've been able to make connections from the billing systems to Salesforce to a new customer portal where we're going to be able to show people balances. And so mm -hmm. the amount of time that we're going to save is extremely tangible and very easy to calculate what that cost is going to mean to us when we can really kind of free up that billing queue. Well, I also think you're going to see, um, you know, just hypothesizing, which I love to do in, in, in my role about the downstream effects of this, which is mm -hmm. you're probably going to see uh, churn reduce because people are going to see information uh, beforehand. So things aren't going to lapse. You're probably going to see mm -hmm. some reduction in upsell and cross sell because people are going to decide, oh, I don't think that's enough budget for this month. I should add something or something's going on because it's going to be like in the forefront of their mind a lot more. So all of those things across your buying cycle, I, I imagine that you're going to create more leads and more revenue for, for the organization through uh, empowering the customer to view this information without reaching into, you know, the deep wells that's the internals of Terminus, right? I mean, there has to be some value outside of that that you're also looking at. Yeah, I think so. And even just putting the right information into the right person's hands so that, you know, maybe our CS people, they don't need to go to billing either. Like whatever we can do to reduce that cycle time and empower our people to have the right information to quickly answer customer questions, I think that that's going to lead to the customer satisfaction that is like our number one goal. When uh, I think a year ago, I wrote a, a blog post, maybe it was on Drip's website or something around that. I think the first real initiative for revenue operations to tackle, like the initiative that really requires you to have a revenue operations team is ABM. And as ABM being sort of, you know, what Terminus, you know, is known for and, and does, um, how true is that? Do you, do you feel like uh, revenue operations is a central element of a successful ABM implementation across your organization? I think it plays a big part for sure. Um, or you I can amplify it. You know, I, I, everyone can be, you know, mark, you know, account-based focus, but does it yeah. amplify the results that you could expect out of it? It does. I think that if you've got a data structure that is going to make sense for your business, where, again, you're kind of seeing from start to finish what's needed, it's going to benefit you in the long run. So, I certainly can't take any credit for the awesome like account-based marketing stuff that our team does, but I know that they rely on us to, you know, help with the account scoring, to help with the target market, to help with all of our ICP work. And, you know, we've started to use Growflare, which is a product that we acquired earlier this year. Um, we play a big part in helping to get that stuff organized and then the territory work and making sure that the right person owns the right account the right person's getting the right notification for the account. Um, I think that doing ABM is amazing. It's step one, right? But having the and like the visibility into what's happening and knowing what the intent signals look like, and then importantly, which person should follow up and how to get that information to them the fastest is where I see RevOps really playing a bigger part. Um, and certainly like making sure that our Salesforce integration to the Terminus platform and to our marketing automation and then to all the other tools is, is top of mind there as well. Awesome. Um, let's, let's switch it up and play a little bit of a game. It's, it's a lightning round. If you've ever seen uh, any kind of game show, it's a this or that. So I'm gonna give okay. you two things and you, you quickly say which one uh, is more like you and then maybe I'll uh, poke some fun at it and uh, try to get you to expand on it. So okay. first question, uh, are you more productive in the morning or the evening? 
morning. Morning. What time do you wake up? Uh, I don't want to get you in trouble, but what time do you usually wake up? What is morning to you? <laughs> oh, it's changed over the years. Um, I have three little boys now, so 6 a.m. is morning, but I can't start working right at 6 a.m., so I have to take care of all their stuff, and then hopefully I can be working by like 8 my daughter is five and uh, she's uh, she has a today was for some reason they're watching a movie and like they amp them up at the end of the day that they're going to watch a movie today at 1030. <laughs> um, and so she told me the last night she wants to wake up at 530 this morning so that she can get ready for it and be be ready. And she didn't even want like a pastry from the coffee shop this morning because she said that they were going to have a treat at school, which is popcorn oh. and they're going to put sprinkles in it and she didn't want to spoil it. So uh, definitely understand <laughs> uh, the early morning because of the kids situation. Mm-hmm. Um, fiction or nonfiction when it comes to, to when you do find time to read with three boys, fiction, fiction, what's your, turn my brain what's your off a little bit. What, what, what kind of fiction oh, do you love? Let's see. Um, what do I love? Things that are kind of suspenseful or like mysterious in some way where I have to like, try to guess the ending. <laughs> do you always, always get forecasting. to the ending? <laughs> Yeah, always forecasting. I find that if you can just guess, like if you just read half a book and you go, I think this is how it ends and you close and you never read it, you still feel satisfied. So I, I find that to be a, a way to do life. Um, read, an article, uh, uh, read an article or listen to a podcast. You're on a podcast, so this might be a trick question, but w- which one do you lean towards? Well, again, for me, podcasts are all about turning my brain off. So they are not work-related. Uh, so if it's like a work-related thing, I need to read an article. If it's not a work-related thing, I'm going to listen to a podcast. Do you have a favorite podcast that comes to mind? I'm into the the crime ones. I can't help it. Ooh. It's just <laughs> crime junkie. <laughs> Those freak me out. They've gotten the production value has gotten so insane that I cannot listen to them anymore. <laughs> like Serial was just her voice and like some like audio clips, and that spooked me out. And now it's like they're definitely going for suspense. I think there's well, a when suspense. when you combine answer. that, yes, when you combine that with the noise canceling AirPods, and then you're <laughs> listening to something freaky, and somebody walks up behind you, and you're like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> uh, synchronous or asynchronous collaboration? Oh, asynchronous. Asynchronous. What's the tool? What's 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 the tool? You are you guys on a Slack team? Are you guys using what are you guys using to communicate uh, during this pandemic? We are Slack and Google, so Slack. all the things Google, yeah. Here's two open-ended questions that I need answers to real quick. Um, favorite song or favorite kind of music to focus on while you're working? Don't be one of those freaks that listens to no music while you're working. No, I like music. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I get into like more of a little techno type of realm. Um, yeah. lane eight, lane eight is a pretty good one for me for working. That's great. Yeah. You know, I always like to, um, you know, if you ever watch any kind of like crime show or anything where there's like someone working on a computer, they're always playing techno and, you know, like moving boxes around on their screen. And I'm glad that you're like leaning in on that stereotype for everyone. <laughs> well, perfect. I have to say most of my day is on a zoom call. And so <laughs> I can't play music during my zoom call. That's a challenge. There's actually a feature you can. You can play it for everyone. Maybe everyone would love it. Uh, first thing you want to do when this pandemic is over, over me, where you feel safe to go out and live your life. 
I want to get my team together for a meeting in person. <laughs> You're like, screw all this asynchronous uh, communication. Let's get together in person. Where would it be at? Where would you want to go? What would you want to do? Well, I've got uh, most of the crew in Indianapolis and then still two folks that are in Atlanta. So I'd love to get the team from Atlanta up to Indy. Um, depending on the time of year, we've been joking lately about some of the racing activities, um, you know, Indiana tech and racing kind of go hand in hand. So I could see us doing something fun around that. That's awesome. Well, I I want to thank you for spending a few minutes with me and talking about revenue operations. It was really fun. Um, last thing that we ask everyone is imagine above your head, because this is going to be done in post-production. So you might want to look up, right? There's going to be a marquee that says some form of advice to everyone listening. What is on that marquee? And I'll look up at it too. So it's above my head Ooh. as well. I was supposed to. I don't want my, I I don't want my eyes to get stuck for this. this. You've got to go fast. Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, do things right the first time. Do things right the first time. So it's that old adage of, uh, wait, I'm going to look. Do things right the first time. It's up there. So it's the adage of measure twice before you cut, right? That kind of do the work, do the pre-work. Yeah. Or beginning with the end in mind, like, yeah, some element in that realm. That is fantastic advice. And if I saw that on a marquee, I'd be like, wow, that's something that I'm going to take with me. So great job. (laughs) Great job on that. I really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to uh, give a shout out to, or anything that you want to plug that Terminus is working on or, or anything that you think should point you should point people at oh man um i would be remiss if i didn't mention our current uh marketing campaign it's all about puppy love and so there's like some overdue valentine's day flair there but um if you check it out it's kind of a chat interaction and you can donate some charity to uh to helping puppies humane society oh that's so sweet uh i love that well, thank you for your time. Uh, get back to work and I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mallory. Bye. Bye.